Hi, I'm Paulina. Hi, I'm Bristia. And we're sisters, friends, daughters, wives, and business owners. And we're just following our dreams, you know, working to be a better version of ourselves every day. All right. And we're also moms. Welcome, Welcome to, to the Supermama Sisterhood. Sisterhood. Hello. Hola, Supermamas. This is Paulina. I am half of the Supermama team. My other half, my partner, my co-host, my sister, Bricia, is still out in maternity leave. She is taking care of her beautiful daughter, Agustina, who was born about a month ago now. Wow, time really flies. Um, I hope everybody's doing well during this crazy, crazy, never-ending quarantine um, I think we're all already getting used to it, right? We're just trying to live our lives around the situation. We actually recorded a really, really fun show for you guys. We have a really fun episode, very educational, very needed. I think it's so important for us to get connected with ourselves again during this time. And we have to start with our bodies. It's very important to um, get connected be here, be present, be in ourselves. And Rebecca Alvarez's story, she is a sexologist and founder of The Bloomy. She's here to tell us about what is it like to be intimate with ourselves? What is it like to tap into our sexuality again. I think right now with everything happening, we are just forgetting about that part um, because, you know, we just sometimes don't have time to think about it. You know, the kids, the home, everything that's happening. So she is here to tell us, yes, we can. Yes, we can totally do it. We can totally reconnect with ourselves. We can totally find that intimacy with our partners. And if you don't have a partner, you can do it with yourself, girl. She also talks about how to talk to our children about this, about their sexuality, how to properly name our body parts, the importance of learning at a young age uh, to speak to our children about sexuality. It's a really, really fun educational episode. You're going to love it. I do not want to take any time from it. So without further ado, here is Rebecca Alvarez's story, sexologist, and founder of The Bloom. Enjoy, ladies. Hey, people from us, Paulina and Brisa here. We just want to remind you to rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, have you seen us rocking our Supermama swag? Well, we want you to join in. Use promo code SMPODCAST at checkout on supermamas.com slash swag for 15% off your next order. Again, that's code SMPODCAST on supermamas.com slash swag for 15% off. Okay, now back to the show. Hola, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you, Paulina. Uh, it's been a it's been a while. I know we were supposed to connect like over a, uh, a year ago when you were about to have your baby. Um, That's right. That was around that time. I didn't realize it was a year ago. Yes. <laughs> right. And yes, so well, your baby's a year, over now? a year now. That's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. Um, but I'm so glad you're here. Um, we've wanted to you know, connect with you and have a conversation with you because um, I think like there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions that we have and, you know, you're, you're an expert um, on sexual wellness. And we realized during this time that, you know, a lot, one question that we've been asking other women is, you know, how is, how is your, your relationship? How is your, your intimate life right now with COVID and everything that's happening and staying indoors? And, you know, how is your, how is your, you know, how are you doing this? And a lot of people are, it's non-existent right now. Um, so either that, or, I've, you know, I've, I've seen posts of friends that are already announcing pregnancy. So I'm like, Whoa. Okay. So <laughs> you it's, know? Like one or the other. <laughs> it's like one or the other, right? I think it all depends on how many children you have at home. But we wanted to check in with you so you can tell us 
the importance of our sexual health and, you know, everything that we need to know about that, you know, we want to just share and, and learn from you. For sure. Thank you so much for like making time for this. It's definitely, um, it's definitely an interesting time given so many things going on in the world. Um, stressful, hard things going on in the world mm-hmm. with, with the impact it has on our relationships and our intimacy. Cause not everyone is in a relationship, but at the same time, the relationship with ourselves is, is like the most important one too. I, I think you're right. And what happened before COVID, you know, was really like a shelter in place COVID is that a lot of people thought, Oh my gosh, everyone's going to be having sex all over the place. Everyone's going to be quarantined together with partners. And um, there's going to be all these babies. And so that's where like the, the COVID baby boom came out of that idea. But in reality, what I'd like to tell people is that, yes, there are cases where there's a lot of, um, there's couples that are very happy spending this much time together and are having a great sex life. And that happens at any point. It doesn't have to mean that it's with or without COVID. Like there's couples just naturally like that. But for most couples, like, and most women, there's a lot of stressors going on. And when we have that much stress, both external and internal, so like in the world, there's a lot going on that's stressful. But then internal meaning like some of us are like losing our jobs or we're having to manage kids now in a very different way and like trying to work, you know, the whole balance, all the stress can actually decrease your sex drive. And what happens with that is then it leads to like more things. So when you don't feel in the mood to have sex, you're not reconnecting with your partner you're not getting like that cocktail dump of hormones that you get when you orgasm. You're not communicating sexually. So it kind of starts to trickle into this whole spiraling snowball and you can quickly find yourself like very unhappy in your relationship and you don't really know where it came from. Or you can be um, just super stressed and on edge and not understand like why you can't release that. And so I do say, you know, it is important for us to talk about this and like figure out like what can we be doing right now when we talk about our sex driver, when we talk about, you know, de-stressing ourselves or with our partners. Um, I think we're going to talk about some of that, but it's definitely, um, I don't think people expected um, this to be the case. They didn't expect there to be so many relationship struggles right now. And it's very, it's very normal. It's very common. And if you think of like, we call it like the hierarchy of needs, right? Like shelter safety food that was first and like I think all of us kind of freaked out when COVID was happening and shelter in place you know there was no food in the groceries and things like that but then the next need is connection and so we're there I think and people are like longing for the right type of connection I think so too I think we've been too disconnected I mean we've been connecting with our families and so we've been disconnected um otherwise basically physically and I think we are all like needing that and given everything that's happening you know I think we need that more than ever and the fact that we can't hug each other touch each other it just makes it so much harder emotionally I think you know um, for sure yes. so I appreciate that and um, tell us a little bit more about your company and what it does and you know the bloomy um, tell us a little bit more about what you do okay so I don't know if I start, I should have started here, but I'm a sexologist, um, which means that I have a master's in uh, human sexuality and I focused on women and couples. And um, my company um, is Bloomy, which is a modern intimate wellness company. We focus a lot on sexual wellness and it's focused towards women and femmes specifically. So what's interesting is you mentioned we're all Latina and me growing up in at home, my family's from Mexico. It's, it was interesting because I had pretty progressive parents. Like they, they tried. <laughs> they had that what does it mean? Up. What does it mean to have pretty progressive parents as a Mexican though? Yeah. Like, did they just like, what did you allow? Like, did they not close your eyes during sex scenes or were they openly like talking to you about, Hey, this is what your vagina looks like. Cause that's like uber progressive for Mexican. So as a Mexican family, how progressive we're talking about. <laughs> what progressive level are we at? Definitely not uber progressive. I said, I said fairly because I think that they tried to have conversations, but because they felt uncomfortable themselves, cause they grew up not talking about it. They like rented. I remember this is back in the day when they were like VHSs. they rented all these movies 
and had these books from the library and they sat me down and they were like, we're going to teach you about uh, couples and sex. And I was like, what? It it just came out of nowhere. Um, So I think they tried. And like, I mean, I'm a sexologist. and, And when we were talking about my major in undergrad and then the master's program, they're like, wait, what? Okay. Okay. Like they didn't say no. Oh my gosh, you shouldn't do that. It was just like, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) So accepting, maybe that's a good word. Um, but yeah, so, so growing up with that, and then I also like to share this, but I went to a high school that taught abstinence only education. Those two things make it so that when I got to college and I went to a really progressive school, I went to UC Berkeley, um, you know, diverse, uh, the home of a lot of different movements. Um, I was blown away by how much information was out there that I had no idea existed, like in the books and in real life. Right. And so that was like eye opening to me. And I knew that I wanted to do something in that space because how many Latina sexologists do we know? Like I know, (laughs) I know of me and I know of other people that are uh, other ethnic backgrounds, but it's just, it's just still very rare. And so I do feel the weight of that. Sometimes I do feel like there's so much great information and I want to like be very culturally sensitive because I think when you talk to most white people in the space that are experts in the space, they can't really speak to the cultural element. So I don't, I'm sorry. It's like, I'm in a tangent right now, but yes, growing up was definitely an interesting part of like forming how I got here and how I approach this now. It totally makes sense. It, it totally makes sense when you're saying because I'm I'm trying to like think back and relate it to what I'm living right now with my eight year old and my five year old. And you're and you know what you're saying is true. It's you know I was reading. I was starting to read this book with my eight year old. And once we got to the part where it was like I, I had to explain what sex was to her, I started feeling uncomfortable. And it was because I don't know how to talk to them because no one ever talked to me about that. So I was like, I think we're going to take a break and then we'll come back and read. You know, I started like feeling this, like, you know, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? But also I feel like it's, it's very important to tell them because um, just like everything else, right? Everything else that's happening, everything else that it's opening our eyes to. Kids need to learn at a young age about things that are, that are important and that are going to make a difference in their lives. Because you know, for my, uh, for my, even for women to feel um, secure about themselves, to be, um, uh, how do you, how do I say this in English? Like that they can just go out in the world they need to be comfortable with who they are and I think it all starts with our bodies and our sexuality and you know giving a proper name to everything because if we start like you know sugarcoating everything when they're out there in the world they're going to be insecure and then people are gonna you know they start getting information from the wrong places and then they start be you know you like forming these ideas in their heads that you know, take us to where we are right now in the society. So I feel like it's time to tell the truth. It's time to talk about these things. And, you know, this is one of the things that we should be talking to our kids about. Um, I think I could not agree more. It's so hard sometimes when like you don't feel comfortable with something, how do you then talk to your kids about it? And it sounds like, you know, because of the age group that your kids are in, they're going to start asking a lot of questions right now. And they're really going to just look to you and like, you are their source of information right now for the most part. Um, and I have a 12-year-old and the one-year-old that I mentioned. So my 12-year-old um, has now had her menstrual cycle. And we've gone through a lot of conversations. She she is like a, a little leader in herself, the way that she talks to her friends and the things that she wants to be a part of when it comes to like her body. But the best advice I can give to parents that feel uncomfortable is let your kids ask you the question. And, and tell them to tell you what they think it means because sometimes we, yeah because sometimes we almost assume the worst, like, oh my gosh, they're asking me about where do babies come from? And I should ask, what you should do, this is like what therapists also say is like, meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Because if they say, oh, well, I know it's because two people love each other, you can meet them there, right? Like, yes, it, it can come from when two people love each other, but it can also come from when one person loves you and they like, form, you know, like a bond to create you with, um, you don't, you want to say another person. I'm thinking of like, you know, sperm donors, but anyways, (laughs) the point is that you can explain it in a way where it meets somewhere they're at and you don't have to say 
like as much detail as you think sometimes. However, when you do get the questions that are super specific, even though you feel that uncomfortable heat, that can sometimes happen like, oh shit, they just asked me this really crazy question that I don't want to answer. Just be honest. Like that's all we can do, right? Like just answer it honestly and like casually if you can. And then when they're done with the topic, they will move on and you will move on. And what they'll remember is one, they can ask you anything. And that two, you're going to answer honestly. And if you don't know something, it's okay to say you don't know. And you'll talk about it later when you can look it up. That's true. That's so true. Well, I yeah. also wanted to bring something up really quick because I know often we talk about women and our acceptance of our bodies. Obviously, it's called super must. You know, we're all women here. Something that I have been experiencing in the past a couple of weeks now that I'm with Eduardo, my son, uh, 24-7, it's that he is really embarrassed of his body, which kind of came to me as a surprise. Um, I did not know he had these feelings. Um, the other day he was changing and he said, mommy, I'm changing. Don't look at me, which kind of caught me by surprise a little bit, you know, especially because I think when we think about body shaming or not feeling comfortable with your body, your mind or our mind always goes to women. Mm. And we forget that men also go through these struggles mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as men. And I remember my brother would always tell us this, but to be honest, I would always downplay his feelings because, you know, it's like, you're, you don't know anything, <laughs> which was wrong because um, now I have a son and I, now I'm beginning to understand. Or yesterday we were swimming um, and he was swimming with his, uh, with his undies. And I told him, you know, if you want, you can take your underwear off and you can go into the pool naked. And he's like, no way. I don't want to be naked in front of you guys. And I, and I thought that was that's interesting because I mean, you shower with dad and like, I've seen you naked, right? But I didn't tell him that. And I said, okay, well, if you ever feel comfortable, just know it's totally okay for you to take it off. And it's okay to feel, I want you to feel comfortable in your body. And after a couple of, um, cannonballs that he was doing cannonballs that he was doing in the pool he's like mommy I'm gonna take my underwear off and I was like okay so he took it off and he started running around and he started feeling a little bit more comfortable um but I just wanted to bring that up because I if any moms of boys that are out there you know we also go through this uh and I did it again this is all new to me I don't have any daughters um but I just it was really a shock. And for me, still a shock that my son also in this morning when he's changing, he's like, turn around because I'm going to change. Obviously, I give him his privacy and I respect his his uh, points of views. And I always I have always spoken to him, you know, like my equal. But it was very surprising that he he's having these thoughts that maybe somehow are a reflection of me in some sort of way or his dad in some sort of way. I mean, they have to be because we are his parents. Um, but I, you know, I don't know if I handled it the right way, or is there a better way to handle that with kids, whether it be girls or boys? Oh my gosh, such a good question. And thank you for sharing the example because it puts it into context, right? And you're right, having boys or girls, or if you're not even identifying as a boy or a girl, just having children going through the different stages of development, sexual development is going to, um, it's gonna like basically catapult us into like a new way to handle the issues every stage. And it sounds like right now, what your son is going through is just um, knowing that there's a privacy element to things. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily a reflection of you and your partner. It has to do with the stage that he's at and like knowing that there's such thing as privacy. Um, usually around that time, and it can be a little bit later when they're a little bit older too, like um, closer to like eight or nine. Um, there's also the stage of like pleasure and discovering pleasure. And it's like, oh shoot, I accidentally touched myself there, but it feels really good. And kids don't really know what to do with that sometimes, but that's where sometimes parents will walk into their kids and they're masturbating and we don't know what to do. Right. And it's a natural thing for them. And I think the way you're handling it is perfect. Um, because a lot of times like you're giving him the space to be comfortable and not worry about clothes, but he's also sort of fighting back in his own way and and wanting to set boundaries for himself it feels like so you respecting that also like it's both both are good it's a good combination to have both of those things um and and when it comes to like the masturbating part i get so many questions from my my girlfriends when their kids start where they see their kid doing that like what do i do what do i say 
Um, so just to share with parents here, like if you ever walk in and you have a very young child or a little bit older child um, and you walk in on that, it's okay to say that's something that you do in private. I know it feels good, but that's something you do in private. And if they want to talk about it, they will. But usually that's like a very simple thing you say and they kind of like leave it right there. It'll come up again later in life. But um, acknowledging like I think that masturbation is good is usually like a hard first step for people. And because we don't want to talk about it. And a lot of women don't masturbate, um, especially like in certain communities. So um, that's usually like where a lot of my work comes in. Like, let's talk about why masturbation is a good thing. And then if with your kids, um, it would be really great if we could foster them like discovering their bodies on their own and tell them it's okay if they do that on their own private time. And Let's talk about why masturbation is important. We um, had another um, guest on the show that was saying that it's also like physically important because if you know if the blood goes in there, it helps our, our pelvic region. You know that's one of the reasons. But tell us a little bit more of why it's important and why we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Because personally, we grew up with a lot of shame on that. And no one ever talked about it. And eso es cochino. And you don't do that. And oh my God, you know, and like, eso es prohibido. So, and so let's talk a little bit more about that. For sure. Oh my gosh. So getting to the point where, uh, um, like we, we see masturbation as a positive thing. Sometimes could be many, many steps. Sometimes people are there already. But for those right. listeners that maybe don't feel as comfortable masturbating on their own, I encourage you to like ask yourself why and is it because you were raised with the messages that you shared or is it because you um, don't have like um, don't have the appetite for it is it that you don't feel sexually confident like what is it what are the reasons that you feel like masturbating isn't a positive thing because I'm going to walk you through why it is um, masturbating not only helps you connect with your body it also teaches you the things you like and don't like, which can be very helpful for your sexual relationships. And it's really good for your health. Yes, like when you masturbate, the blood flow in your like genital area starts pumping, which creates lubrication, which creates just overall blood flow in the body. And when you orgasm, you have this um, cocktail of hormones that gets released from the brain into your body. And those are very good for you. So. There's some people that they like to masturbate in the morning because they feel energized from it. Like they feel like they get this boost of energy and it sets them off in a really great way. Instead of coffee. Instead of coffee or with coffee. <laughs> coffee and sex. Or for some people, um, they describe it as more of like a calming feeling and it makes them feel very relaxed. And for those people, like masturbating before bed, going to sleep can help them stay asleep and fall asleep faster. But overall, I can tell you that the hormones that your body releases when you masturbate um, help you connect with yourself. They elevate your mood, they reduce depression, and they help you with sleep. So overall, it's like a regulating thing. Like when we masturbate a few times a week, even it will overall create like a really good feel, feel good base for you. And if you feel like you need that boost of feel good hormones, like that is one of the things that I start off recommending first. Um, so the unlearning of masturbation being dirty, right? Algo cochino, something that we just don't do, that can be tougher. That can take some time. And I read about it, you know, read books that are that are interesting to you and um, buy products that I, I say that buy products that motivate you to want to connect with yourself, whether that's a candle and having fresh flowers or whether that's a lubricant or an arousal oil things that when you have them, they make you want to spend time with yourself. Got it. And my question, I, I go back to being the mother of a son, <laughs> the mother of a boy. Um, when do you draw the line between, you know, of being scared that your son might become a sex addict and is watching too much pornography and masturbation leading to that? Because I know that is one of the questions and one of the topics that divides both of those that divides that line between it's healthy for you. When I walk into my son, you know, you should talk about it or maybe you shouldn't talk about it, but you know, at what point is it too much? Is it just like anything that too much of something is not good for you and too less of something is it not? Is it just like a normal thing? Like 
even drinking too much water isn't good for you when everyone says that water is the most the best thing you can do is it is it like that and how do we as as mothers moderate that behavior with our teenage sons or pre-teenage sons and when is it too early to um when is it too early for a child to masturbate i would say a you know boy or girl oh amazing questions i'm going to try to hit them all tell me if i forgot any of them okay but kids essentially can start masturbating when they're tiny like 2 years old 3 years old and it can look different to, for different kids but it, the idea of good and bad pleasure is they don't know the difference. They don't see it as like there's one bad kind and there's one good kind. So like a hug could be good in the eyes of some parents and masturbating could be bad in the eyes of some parents. But for kids, they don't see that difference. So I do think it's healthy to encourage kids to um, do things that feel pleasurable to themselves. And it, it this is like a, a list much larger than masturbating. But masturbating is included in that list for me at any age. So at all ages. and the tricky part is is you're right because you don't want them to be exposed to for example like porn or too much porn at a young age right because we do know a lot of teenagers start being curious and even preteens and looking up things and they're curious to see what sex looks like mm-hmm. so that's a natural curiosity that happens in those age groups preteens and teens but too much porn like there's a few signs that i can share and like i feel like we could do a whole podcast on like sexual trauma but there's a few things that you want to watch out for in general like a child that is hypersexual meaning like a child that is um kind of fixated on certain movements that feel very sexual or talking a lot about it or asking questions um at the wrong time like consistently um or or creating like um uncomfortable moments for other children and having toys kind of like have sex with each other there's certain signs that if you see them often 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 they actually could be a sign of sexual abuse. And I know that's also a hard topic, but hmm. um one one thing that I like to share with kids and I'm being kind of vague because this can happen at so many ages, you know, unfortunately. But when you teach kids the correct anatomical body part, it actually helps to prevent child abuse and sexual abuse or it can help them vocalize when something is going wrong. So for example, if you teach a boy that it's it's penis not you know whatever pet name we name it um and you tell him very directly you know no one touches your penis except for mommy daddy or a doctor if we need to you know like depending on what age they are or if they're older only um only a doctor when mommy's in the room like it can be super specific they will tell you you know i have something i want to tell you and they may not like like saying it at first but if something ever happens and somebody crosses a boundary they'll they'll know that it felt wrong and like the goal and the hope is that they'll vocalize that to you right um so i always encourage like teach your kids the right words vulva vagina um pubic hair like make sure they feel like they know their body the same way we teach them you know hand finger arm and then um you asked a little bit more about porn like it's it's a complicated topic but i do think as long as you can have conversations with your preteen and teen about porn not being an accurate reflection most of the time of how sex really happens with adults that can be like the opening door to really good conversations but i guarantee you like if a kid is curious a teen is curious and they yeah. want to watch porn they'll find a way so just set them up with expectations as much as you can before they go into that got it understood <laughs> These are all like I think scary topics for a lot of parents, right? But we have to we have to if we I think it's very important what you said. I really appreciate what you say about, you know, it's very it's it's a way to prevent sexual trauma um because you know, there's there's a lot of that out there and people and a lot of kids stay quiet and don't say anything and it's important to give them the tools so that they can share with us as parents. Even though it's scary, you know, all of these topics are scary but um it's it's a it's something to prevent anything from happening yeah and you know in our culture especially too there's a lot of history of generational trauma mm-hmm. different kinds of trauma including yeah. trauma it's really it can be a really hard topic to talk about um so 
if there's something that you have had a bad experience with, or you're trying to heal from something, like it's really good when you can seek out help for that. And it's really good if you can, like we talk about crystals, crystal sex toys, like as a way to heal and like also explore your sexuality together. But um, yeah, when it comes to kids, like you cannot, um, there's no time that's too soon to start talking to them about things that could be hurtful for them. Like even at age three or four, you can be really clear, like nobody ever touches your penis. Nobody ever touches your vulva. Nobody ever touches your body besides your arm. Like there's things you can say to them that just, they're like, oh, okay. And they just kind of run with that. And as they get older, you can add more to the story of like, I want you to protect yourself. I want to protect you. There's bad people in the world. And yeah, sexual trauma in kids is like such an ugly topic, but the goal is to prepare kids. And the goal is to like, make these conversations lighter and easier so that it doesn't feel like something that we want to avoid. And then when it comes to pleasure in our own life, like we want that to be like positive and we want that to be like, um, I don't know, exciting and fun and lighter, you know? Yeah. And I also don't want it to, it doesn't have to be scary. I think that we just have to be, um, I guess the, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but just like, um, realistic, you know, this is life. This is the world. And it doesn't have to be scary. You just have to be realistic and know that you have to educate yourself and have these conversations with your children, with the next generation in order for you to evolve as a community. Otherwise we won't. So I don't, I I don't like using words that are negative. I think it's better to use words that, you know, of just, this is the way that we empower our children. So moving on from our children and talking about ourselves, how do we grow sexually as women and as partners how does a person get off of a funk or is just like you know I'm not feeling like it right now or how do I begin to rekindle with my partner or with myself even how do I basically how do I get my libido back up and how do I make myself feel horny once again <laughs> like, talking to somebody how do I get my my early 20s like right. live yeah you know that like my groove of my mojo yeah, how do we get our groove back? Like, I what's your that. name? Stella? Is it Stella? Is it Stella? <laughs> Stella get our groove back? How do I we Stella become Stella? You know what I mean? Like, I think some parents, I just feel that if, if women would just learn to pleasure themselves or find pleasurable moments with their partners, we not only become better uh, partners, but we become better mothers because, again, those hormones are flowing through our body. So then, how do we even get there? When number one, we've gone through trauma or right now, or we feel tired. Uh, I mean, I think that that's the number one reason I've heard from past, um, not just interviews, but friends who I've, who I've spoken to is just like, I'm just tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the last thing I want is to freaking have sex mm-hmm. as opposed to men. I'm tired. I need sex to help me get, get over the yeah. tiredness. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. You know, like I get it. I'm tired all the time. And that is a common narrative I hear, especially with moms. So um, there's a few things I recommend to people who want to boost their drive. And the first thing that you would want to focus on is yourself. And then if you have a partner, then it's like, then you can incorporate your partner into this. But I like to start with like, you should like, we should focus on you. Let's get a plan for you to feel good and you to have pleasure. And then it'll trickle into your relationship and you can start to incorporate your partner and stuff. So again, it's super normal to have a lower sex drive when you're super tired. There's a million things that can lower your sex drive. Um, Birth controls, um, antihistamines, uh, relationship problems. Um, like concerns about getting pregnant. Like there's so many things that we can worry about or that can be part of our everyday life that can bring down our drive. So I just want to acknowledge that because it's hella stressful right now. It's very stressful in our world. And so um, low libido is the number one sexual complaint that I hear right now. So it's very common. Things you can do. So some fun, like, well, how do we get back to that? So I encourage women that would like to boost their sex drive to set aside 30 minutes to one hour for yourself every day. And this can be, you know, like I, I totally get it. I have two kids in the house and my husband and a dog. So, um, if my husband is going to take the dog on a walk and take the kids, like those are my 30 minutes. Or if I'm going to take a shower, it's a really good 30 minute shower when I can. Or if it's before the day starts or at the end of the day, like I try to book and encourage people to have time to yourself 
And in that time, make it about pleasure for you. I'm not saying you need to masturbate for 30 minutes, but do things like a hot bath, like light a candle, um, do a scalp massage in the shower, give yourself a foot massage or, you know, anything that feels good to you um, is going to boost your hormones already. And when you do that every day, it adds up. When you don't do it every day, it also adds up in the opposite way. Mm -hmm. So when we're tired, (laughs) we don't feel like doing it. So then we don't, we don't find time for ourselves. We don't have sex. And it's kind of like spiraling down the other way. So find time for yourself. Um, when you, oh, I encourage women to masturbate. Like I'll be very honest about that. I think it's healthy. I think it's good. Um, usually a couple times a week would be great. Some women do it every day. And if you're not in the mood, something like an arousal oil. So Bloomy um, just launched an arousal oil a couple months ago. Um, it keeps selling out, which is a great thing. But the arousal oil is great because it helps you promote blood flow. It has botanical aphrodisiacs, so things that boost Ooh. your drive. And it's all clean and natural. It's just like a feel-good oil. I actually keep mine in the shower. You're pregnant? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you can um, keep it in the shower or in your you know, nightstand. And because it's an oil-based product, um, it won't wash off right away with water. So it's perfect for, the, it's perfect for showers. Um, so an arousal oil, a lubricant, a toy, you know, like that's another thing. I feel like when we talk about sex toys, I get a lot of mixed opinions on them, but overall they can be really good for your health, right? Like they can help you fill in the mood and there's all kinds of sensations. Like I tell women, find one that is going to do the things that you want. Is it external? Is it internal? Do you want vibration? Do you want suction? Do you want heat? Like, what is it that you want and like? And then start off getting a toy with that and and have the, the time for yourself to do that. Also, when you are talking about sex with your partner, foreplay is huge. We do not spend enough time on foreplay. So the average woman will spend like maybe five minutes on foreplay with their partner. And we actually need 20 minutes on average to be fully aroused and get in the mood. Whoa. So, I don't even I don't even have 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in and out of there in 20 minutes girl so basically a child like, upstairs calling for my name a quickie you need a quickie so like <laughs> lubricants and arousal oils go a long way when you have when you need a quickie basically but um foreplay is often like not long enough for us to say oh my gosh that was a really good session with my partner like you, if you can think back to like, like some really good sex that you've had before with your partner. And like, imagine what are the, how did I feel in that moment? Did it last? Right. There was long? no kids around. Right. Screaming your name. <laughs> so like, or create, like knocking in your door being like, mom, when are you in your bed? Yeah. So it's more like vacation sex you're talking about. Yeah. Vacation sex is amazing. And you know, <laughs> you actually, it's hard right now because we can't really do that. Yeah. Right? I think <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. We all need some vacation. We all need vacation sex. You, the the reason vacation and you can't get rid of work, your kids right now either. <laughs> Melatonin. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what time do your kids go to sleep? Eight thirty. Seven thirty. Seven thirty-eight. Girl, that is amazing. So you should schedule. You should book date night or sex night with your partner or yourself, and make it so that at like nine, from nine to ten, or from eight to ten, or whatever that time is, like. It's just you guys. Yeah. Actually, booking sex is another thing you can do because what happens is like if you tell your partner, um, I want to have a sex night with you three times a week, it builds anticipation. And that's part of foreplay. So you thinking about it during mm-hmm. the day in little ways is actually going to help you get more turned on when you actually get to that time yeah. of the day. I just need to get rid of my son in my bed. <laughs> Remind me again how old he Personally, is. Personally. Because I knew- yeah, I, I think he was four when I first. Um, I mean, he, he. This is like this past six months that he's been already six months. Actually, Jesus, uh, five months. Yeah, since January, since January, February. Um, that he has just not left. My, he's moved in, so <laughs> it's hard to kick kick a tenant out. For his room after after. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> so uh yeah i think that's just the issue also in a lot of parents it's just like their yeah. kids invade the space and that space doesn't become sexy anymore right mm-hmm. so um yeah i need to get rid of my tenant right now i need to evict there's gonna be an eviction notice happening very very soon <laughs> or, or like a split a split tenancy where you can say hey we're gonna set some rules so that you can get some 
some of your time in your own bed with your own vibe and whatever, and you can come into mommy's bed. No, I don't know. I don't know how to address. Because, yeah, with like a different, first- di- di- different doctor, different, <laughs> different specialist. I'm not a sleep expert here. With my older daughter, we actually lived in a one bedroom apartment. I was a single mom for a long time. We lived in a one bedroom until she was like five. Um, we did have a space like in a den. It was like a den in, at one point that we lived in that had her own little like room kind of, but she would come into my bed all the time and it was always this habit. And I was single and I would date, but usually I didn't bring people over when she was there. So there was this divide for me, but I will say that when um, I met my now husband and we all moved into the same house, she was like, where am I going to sleep? And she was excited to have her own room, but uh, yeah, it can totally affect um, the vibe. You want me to explain to you why? Why besides the fact that he's physically there? Yeah, so, yeah. Besides the fact that his the spirit that is that that his right body there. is in between <laughs> the two people that need to come together as one. Yes. <laughs> so besides the obvious, um, we as humans do really well when we have our own like sacred spaces for connecting. And this is why vacation sex is so great because you have your, you know that that is going to be your space to connect and unwind and de-stress and have fun and whatever. But at home, like I, I tell people you should create your own sacred space and be really careful who you invite into that space. And it's like, it's one of those things you can make it, it doesn't have to be the bedroom, but it usually is the bedroom. Um, My dog and my son are going to get kicked out today. (laughs) You need to reset. Those two are out of here. Um, so you were mentioning, um, the stone or stone toys, mm, crystal toys, crystal. Yeah. Crystal. Yeah. crystal, and yeah. is that, is that the, is that the very famous Yoni egg? So there's, yes, that's one of them. So when you talk about crystal toys, you can talk about actual like, um, sex toys, or you can talk about Yoni eggs and I can tell you a little bit about them. Um, Yoni eggs kind of got a bad rep a couple years ago, um, when the whole goop thing happened and the way it was framed was you're putting a rock inside know. of your vagina. I don't know what, that I don't know what the goop thing okay. was. So basically, um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow is the founder of goop and, um, I think they've tried to change this, but the way that they positioned Yoni eggs, I don't feel like they had enough expertise explaining them. And it wasn't explained in a professional way. And so people retaliated and said, why are you telling women to put rocks in their vagina? <laughs> and, and, and what was missing is like, you know, there is an ancient practice of yoni eggs. There is history um, of yoni egg practice. And it has to be with only certain crystals. Like they should have talked about the, the material. They should have talked about there's certain stones that are safer than other stones in general, because it's, it is like a stone that it's porous, right? So it has little indentations and the idea is you don't want it to collect bacteria. So we did a lot of research and yoni eggs are really, really great with connecting with yourself. You can do pelvic floor exercises. Even, um, women are not used to this usually in the U S like touching their vulva, right? So to put a yoni egg in, you have to kind of insert it sort of like a tampon. And there's that element of like touch, right? So it, the whole process from start to finish can be very... Um, Wait, hold on. You're talking about putting an actual like J crystal inside. Like is it, does it have a, a string so you can take it out? You can have the kind drilled or undrilled. Drilled has... The, How do you the, take the one that's undrilled? <laughs> so the great question. So basically, Yoni Yang, the reason that we use them, right, is to connect with ourselves and to do pelvic floor exercises. It actually can feel amazing. It creates lubrication. It helps with blood flow, like all those it's things. It's like, oops, it swallowed it and it won't come out. So there, when we've had a couple of customers ask us about that because they're worried that it's going to get stuck, the way that the vagina is shaped, there's no way it can get stuck. So it's like if it goes in and here, right, there's no way it's going to go above a certain point. Um, so what if you have a really big vagina? <laughs> it'll just move around in your vagina. But I, the what happens is I don't know. These are all questions that are running through my mind right now. How big are these? I'm trying to like look it up to see how big. So there's a standard like medium size and you can also buy a larger size if you like a tighter fit. Damn. Um, 
All right. So basically, those are they Paulina. Stuck. They stuck. <laughs> Paulina always likes the tighter fits. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I encourage people to do research. Like if you're not already into crystals, this is a good time to get into crystals if you're looking at yoni eggs because each one has a different. I will thing. never look at my jade roller the same again. <laughs> Whenever I look at it, it's like, hmm, will you work? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It is actually like an egg. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, what do you do? So basically, if you're using a yoni egg, you're using it because you want to connect with yourself. And you want to stimulate blood flow and you want to do exercises to strengthen your pelvic floor. So when you strengthen your pelvic floor, you oh, do have better sex. You can recover it. from having a baby faster. Like there's mm. a lot of reasons to do it. Like therapy. Mm -hmm. For the pelvic floor. Got it. And it says like it helps with urinary incontinence, which is what I need. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, so do I right now. Can you use it while you're pregnant? So they do say that you should always consult a doctor. Um, yeah, for anything. For anything. Um, Can you imagine yeah. walking into Kaiser, and talking <laughs> to my doctor? Hey, do you think I should use this to help my? I mean, I'll speak to my physical therapist about it because it sounds very interesting. I mean, I think aside from the arousal part, and I could see how like that can like encourage you to work on your pelvic floor movements, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we spoke to some a professional uh, vaginal therapist and told us that. Um, a lot of the, a lot of women don't really know how to do proper kegels. So I think that this would be a good way that you're like, okay, mommy needs 20 minutes to go work on her pelvic floor. I'll be right back. You know? <laughs> um, and not only, yeah. And you're not only strengthening your, 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 but you're strengthening your core and can also help in, you know, tightening everything like your, your entire abdominal area. It's like mm -hmm. really fun abs, mm -hmm. like really yeah. fun ab workout. You know, another way to do this too, yoni eggs, they get a lot of interest because people usually are curious, like, how do they work and what are they? So I was going to say, like, it's cool to pick a crystal that speaks to you. Like rose quartz, for example, is the most popular because it's supposed to like have the vibrations that help with like this area, which is where the heart chakra is. So it's getting into like not Western medicine. It's getting into like alternative um, ways of healing. But for anybody who's also interested in pelvic floor um, exercises, and they want something that's a little more like modern that you can see, like especially people who like tech, there's a device called LV and we do carry it on Bloomy as well, where it's great for um, pre, during and post pregnancy also because it um, it's a game. So you connect it, it's a little tiny silicone like bulb that you insert, you do your Kegels and on your phone, you can see the exercises. Like you can basically see it like squeeze and it tells you how strong your pelvic floor is and you can basically see it improving over time. Hmm. Um, and it gives you information, you know, like urinary incontinence usually happens in this range and like you need Hot to get to, to this range. To <laughs> yeah. I used it um, after my um, second daughter and it was amazing how much faster I healed than with my first daughter. daughter. I didn't have it with the first one. My baby's three, but I'm still going to get it because I need, I need that. I, you know, we're, I'm having, I'm still having issues with my urinary incontinence or, you know. I still have a little bit of issue when I run. And so I keep using LV to be honest. Like I need to just be consistent, but um, that's the one that I like to use. Mm, I love it. Got it. <laughs> all these toys that you're, I mean, all these, yeah, toys, tools. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. that you um that you're sharing with us because I, I think we don't we don't ever talk about sharing we do and we do but I think we we do it from like a, oh my god I got a toy ha 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 but you know the what you're saying like it's gonna help you with your pelvic floor it's gonna help you with this you're like oh, okay you know then I have more selling points with my friends <laughs> <laughs> I is it yeah. the intima lasalle kegel routine is that the one you were talking about no that's a different one so that one it just depends on like what you're looking for the lasalle one has three different like kegel balls so you basically can go up and wait over time and they'll give you instructions how to use it. The one that I mentioned is called LV. It's um, a little bit more expensive, but it's the one that's more digital and can. Like, oh, LV it. trainer. Yeah. LV trainer. Got it. I love it. It's a little bit more expensive, but worth it. If your vagina gets tight. I love it. These are all um, I have. I only own two toys and I'm just like looking at these and I'm like, Oh, 
There's so many. There's interesting. There's for you. There's for like with. I just figured like those that I have work, (laughs) and it's like why, 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 why try something that you know that can that can like you get in. You're like, oh, this kind of sucks. I have a couple more that like have sucked. Some not like literally sucked. I mean, like have not been (laughs) good to me. So um, I just stick to the two that I really, really like. How does that, one? Yeah. How does one choose the proper toy for oneself? Mm-hmm, that's a good question. Uh, and I'll, I'll also, before I even answer that, I'll say the times that you should consider getting a toy are one, it dies or it doesn't work. Two, like you're not motivated anymore by your toy. You're not like uh, using it regularly. You're not in the mood for it. Or three, you get a new partner. And the reason for that is because when you, um, when they've done studies, this is kind of like gross to some folks, but they've done studies and they look at microbacteria and it can, it can stay there from partners. Even if you don't, even if you don't clean it well, especially, but you should just use like soap and water and for crystal sex toys, the ones that we were talking about, not Yoni egg, but the ones that are like just longer, pretty things that you can leave on your, um, in your bedroom. Um, those with a drop of tea tree oil and warm water that will also help clean it. So that's when you get a new sex toy. And then the easiest way to pick something that you're going to enjoy is one pick where in your body you want to have sensations. Like some people know, oh, I only want a rabbit style vibrator. I like internal and external at the same time. Like I want my clitoris to be stimulated and internal pressure. Some people only like external and then some people only like internal. So that's like number one, where do you prefer your stimulation? And then two, like what kind of sensations do you want? Do you want super high um, power? Do you want a range of power? Do you want suction? And so um, for Bloomy, I feel like we're very feminist when it comes to vibrators. Our vibrators don't look like dildos. They look like random things. You won't know our toys or they look like just very simple designs. Um, like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like this circle yes. that I'm looking at right now. Oh okay. my gosh. Now that I have about that one. Phone. Yeah, now that I have you on the phone, let's just like pretend that I'm shopping through here, mm-hmm. through Bloomy to through the Bloomy.com. And since I have you here on the line with me, I can actually ask you what should I be adding to my cart? Because <laughs> for sure, I've added to my cart the arousal oil because mm-hmm. you sold me on that one. Then like then there are the, the slim um, sex toys that are both made out of crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, but those seem like kind of boring. They're just basically something that you stick in there. So. That's what I say. You should, you should tell, you know, figure out what you want, because if you are not into crystals and you're not looking for that vibe, you can go more technology route. So if you want a technology route, that circle thing that you mentioned, actually aura three mm -hmm, oral sensations. And I like to say that about that product, because we always assume like if we're getting oral, it's from our partner, right? But this is from a toy. So it creates the same sensation, but it's coming from a toy that's also a vibrator. Um, Aura 3, was, it's like my go-to one right now. <laughs> I feel like I get a new favorite every couple months. That one's my favorite today. Um, and then... Add it to the cart. And then um, there's also What's like, the difference between... Sorry, I'm going to... What's the uh-huh. difference between the LV Trainer and the Luna Smart Beast? Because I was looking at those two, and they're both for Kegel exercises, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I know you spoke about the LB trainer and that's the one that you put in there and you kind of squeeze and it gives you the app tells you, but what about the Lelo, the Lilo Luna smart beats? Cause that one, it teaches you how to hold an orgasm longer. I'm reading. So that one, the way that it's focused is they're trying to focus on like more pleasurable sex. So it basically is, um, it vibrates when you squeeze and it, it's remembering your strength, but it's not as I'll call it smart as the LV. So the LV is really like, if you want an app and you want to see your data, like that's the way to go. If you want like something in between the, the balls that don't do anything and the LV, then the smart beads is a great way to go. Got it. And then the Sona 2 and the Sona and the Aura 3 are more stimulating of oral sex. Mm -hmm. So the Sona is real. Sona 2 is really good because it has um, suction and vibration. And then the Aura 3 has a circular motion. We should put videos on the websites. It has a circular motion that kind of feels like a tongue, but then you it's a circle. So it's interesting to hold because it's like, it's very easy to just go like this. And when you turn it, I'm making this turning motion. You can just use it as a really powerful vibrator too. Huh. 
got it. I feel like we need to do a little. So uh, I have one that's called the, I think it's called the wave. I forgot. It's just like a little um, blue little thing. So I'm assuming like Lelo's kind of like the wave, but with mimicking of oral sex at the same time. Mm-hmm. Kind of what you're explaining. Okay. And cool. if people are now, looking for like a good starter one, because I think that's a common question too. There's, um, there's one called GG um, that is good for internal and good for G spot stimulation. That's a good one that I like to recommend too. The GG too. Uh huh. No, for <laughs> lubricant, is there also oil? Same thing as the lubrication, or am I going to need a lubricant as well? Um, and the difference between water based and oil based. Good questions. Okay, so a an arousal oil is different than a lubricant. However, um, an arousal oil will help you create your own lubrication. And um, an arousal oil is meant to be external. So like you rub it around your clitoris, inner thighs, labia, like it basically is a foreplay oil and it helps get you in the mood. And then if you're looking for something that you just want extra slip during penetration, then that's good for, um, that's when a lubricant is good. Um, The thing to it about an arousal oil is, we say it's external only, but we did test it internally. And a lot of people are using it as a lubricant, but that's an off-label use. We're supposed to say just external. Um, the difference between water-based and oil-based. Water-based lubricants and products um, will wash off with water. And so they're, they tend to be more slippery and like uh, kind of like fall apart easier, meaning that you'll have to add more like if you have a long sex session, but they're easy to wash off. Um, and you can use them with most toys. You can use them with condoms and without anything at all. And then oil-based products and lubricants um, are not compatible with latex. So that's important to note. But they tend to be more organic because they tend to use like natural oils. And those are really great if you don't want it to wash out very easily. Like if you want to use something in the shower and you don't want the water to like make it go away. Or if you want to use it for like masturbating and you want it to last a little bit longer, that's really great. That's oils are really great for that. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now moving to the other page. Oh, the palm. That's kind of what I was talking about. I have something that looks like the palm. Mm -hmm. Not not this specific one, but that one's also, I feel like a great starter for somebody. I always recommend it to my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Yep. That one Um, is perfect for starters too. It's external. You, You cup it with your hand. I love that one. Yeah. So the difference between the Finn vibrator and the Eva 2 vibrator, those look really interesting. Never seen anything that looks like that. It's interesting how women vibrators do not look like what people would expect. <laughs> yes. Uh, what do these do? <laughs> so Finn is um, a really cool one that you basically can hold in between these two fingers like this. So it'll go here and you'll see the little bulb at the bottom of your hand. So you basically use it as an extension of your hand. So if you like vibration, you know, like on the clitoris or your partner, it's really great because you can move it around and it just stays really easily between your fingers. You can use it with a little strap or without the strap, but it's like a vibration ball almost um, that slips really good. And then... Oh, so that one, so that little circle thing mm -hmm. on the fin is basically just to put your fingers into Mm -hmm. like a ring. Yes. It's like for two fingers. It goes around two fingers. So it'd be fun for your your partner to be, to have that with him or herself while you guys are having mm-hmm. like I'll give you a visual like if you like um having sex with your partner where your partner is like behind you for example that is a really great toy because it lets you like wrap around and your partner can use their hands while there's other stuff going on um and Got then the, the Eva 2 um was one of the that brand's first products it's supposed to be so that you can buy it and like put it into like where your clitoris is in between your labia and just have it sit there with no hands. And that's for people who like constant, like some slight stimulation, like constantly, and you can move around and have sex. Now we have heard from that one that it's a really good fit for most people, but it's not a perfect fit for everybody. So Blume does offer um, a refund. If you're not happy with any of the products, you can let us know. um, And we work to give you a refund. This one's out of stock, but what's the kip? This looks interesting. Kip, <laughs> kip is like um like a lipstick vibrator. So right. some people want something like cute that goes in their purse or wherever they're traveling, and it's like very targeted to the clitoris. You put it on the clitoris, and like you can move it around. So it looks like a little. It's their take on the lipstick vibrator. 
Got it. Well, I have um, done my shopping. Felia, do you have any other questions and other ones? Yeah, no, I'm just looking at all of the, all of the. I'm just looking at my cart right now and I'm like, okay. (laughs) For the, for the sake of, uh, look, see, mommy. No, they're, they're banging at my door. That's why I constantly have to mute myself. (laughs) But I, I love all of these things. I mean. Every single, that's so, well, we guys already talked about, I'm just, I was just like reading every single one of them. They're super cool. And also when I talked to you guys also have like really new uh, period pads and tampons. I don't know if you know, but Brisa and I are pad people because we never, you know, the same situation, mm-hmm. you know, if you put on a, a tampon, you're going to lose your virginity kind of situation. And, you know, so we never really properly learned how to use them, but, um, you guys have all sorts of different brands from, for um, period also, right? Period products, yeah. You know, it's interesting that in the Latino culture, the tampon versus pad argument is super strong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, pads are usually the most common in, among the Latino culture. Um, and, and that's because of what you shared. Usually, you know, using a tampon feels wrong and we're kind of not taught to do it. What's interesting is like in Europe, for example, the tampon is more popular and they don't even use strings usually on their tampons because they're very used to inserting and and taking out things with their body. It's just like a different relationship. And I think in the US, pads are more common. Um, So I have mixed feelings about like like sharing you should use one because I think part of what I'm trying to do with Bloomy is give you guys the options to make the choices on the things you want because there's no wrong choice with period products. Um, if you're using clean, so we have period underwear. Have you guys heard of period underwear? Okay. Yes. And and washable pads that you you guys washable pads, which go kind of with the period underwear. Like on heavy days, you can put an extra pad in there and then we give you a little, um, like wet bag. So you basically can just put the wet bag in there, zip it up. And when you're ready to put it in the wash, you do that. Same with the underwear. Um, we also have menstrual cups. So people have been, especially last year, they were really popular last year. If you're interested in a menstrual cup, we carry um, a couple, but they are um, different sizes. And and I want to make sure I say this because there isn't a, you have a small vagina, you have a big vagina size. It's the reason that we say it's usually if you've had a child vaginally or not, or you have a heavy flow or light flow is because that will determine how much you want to catch, right? It doesn't mean that you have a big or small vagina. It just means you have heavy <laughs> flow or you've had children. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> but the, the pads and tampons, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a personal choice. Yeah, it is. I think we just have to, we just have to go with what works for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just learn and be educated. I mean, I'm definitely going to um, up my collection of toys <laughs> and, uh, after uh, looking at your website so I'm excited I'm excited for that thank well, you I'm excited for you guys now too oh I know I think after after this uh after this conversation uh I think um, I am gonna start having more date nights uh after this the date night 100 <laughs> my tenant's getting evicted <laughs> you reminded me of like how you know why I do this and why you know we need to we need to we need to more we need to more but you yeah, know thank what? you so much Rebecca yeah thank you so much thank you for uh for joining us and for the information and for being so candid about it and you know we hope that moms get uh benefited from this for sure oh thank you guys for having me yeah and we definitely need to have you again to talk about you know uh sexual trauma at some other time because I think that's very important and I think that's one of the things that prevents women from you know being fully living their sexuality at the fullest for sure yeah let's set it up more more talks more sex talks (laughs) awesome thank you take care take care bye Hey sisters, thank you so much for listening. Hope all of you guys are subscribed to our newsletter. If you're not, make sure you hit that subscribe button on superromance.com. We will be sending out invites to upcoming events, promos, and super cool surprises your way. And of course, you can always keep up with us through the gram at underscore superromance and on Twitter, also at underscore superromance and in the face 
at Supermamas Podcast. Oh, one more thing. We want to hear your Supermama moment of the week to share with all of you sisters. Call into our hotline, 424-329-3707, and leave us a message, or simply email us a voice note to hello at supermamas.com. Very soon, we could be featuring you on the show. Please remember to leave your name and Instagram handle for a chance to be featured. Much love, and see you next week. Supermamas!